Welcome to Changed for Good, Life Elevated Through Christ with LSI Studios. In this podcast, we explore the ways in which Jesus Christ can make a lasting and elevated change in our lives. Because of Him, we can become more than we were and also receive grace for where we are on our journey. I'm your host, Britta Benyon. All right, today we have Lonnie Emick and... We're so glad to have you here. I'm so grateful that you were able to um, come and you were willing to come be on the podcast. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear more about you, about your story. So we'll just jump in and have you tell us about yourself. Tell us tell us uh, something so we can get to know you a little bit. Well, I'm not originally from Arizona. <laughs> I'm originally from California. Uh, Southern California, to be exact. I only lived about 40 minutes from Disneyland, so that was fun Yeah. Uh, growing up. um, I I just turned 60 this year, so that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) I forget everything because of it. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, let's see, I am married. Mm -hmm. I have one son. My husband works in construction. I am retired. I worked um, nearly 30 years in local government. Um, I retired as a finance director, so I don't, I try not to do the finances at home because I did it for my entire career and (laughs) I've had enough. Yeah. Um, That's that's awesome. Kind of me in a nutshell. Right. That's great. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Why don't we talk a little bit about um, your religious background, I guess. What it was like for you growing up um, and kind of where, I don't know, we can kind of go from there. Sure. Uh, I was raised Episcopalian. Uh-huh. Um, my, I am the youngest of three children. My mother raised us. My father passed away when I was six. Oh. Um, and it's kind of interesting because my mother, my mother was like the, the 10th of 11 children. Wow. Her parents were Buddhist, and when they got to a certain age, my her parents actually said, you know, you, you can choose whatever religion you want to, to go forward from here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were raised Buddhist, but they had the opportunity to choose where they wanted to whether they wanted to stay Buddhist or go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So like the older children, they stayed Buddhist, but some of her siblings went to Methodist, some went Lutheran. Mm -hmm. And like my mom, I think her and her and and the younger siblings went with Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. So when she got married, her her husband was, excuse me, Episcopalian, so that kind of worked out well. Yeah, definitely. So the three of us were raised Episcopalian, Mm -hmm. and um, unfortunately, when my father passed away, my brother and my sister, they kind of stopped going to church, and and because I was so little, I was just with my mom. So Mm -hmm. raised that way, up until the day I was married, Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of I stopped going, and... Uh, and then I joined the church about um, five years, five or six years later. Wow. So you 
I think you had told me too that when you were growing up, you were very involved in that in that church, right? It sounds yes. like, and so you were, you said, in the choir and oh yes, very helpful <clears throat> in yes. services. Episcopalian is kind of like one step down from the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the history, but um, when King Henry the Eighth, he was Catholic, and he he decided he wanted a divorce from his first wife, Catherine mm-hmm. of Aragon, because he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he div- he wrote up a a divorce or whatever, mm-hmm. a writ of divorce, so he could marry her and then form the Church of England where he became the head of the church. Mm-hmm. So when all the all the mass exodus from England, they came over and um, one of the religious sects that was formed I hope I'm getting this right for all the people that are out there that are religious fanatics. They anyway. <laughs> know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they were one of the religious sects that um, basically based their theology and format after the Church of England, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the same, you know, they didn't they weren't ruled by the king. The king. Okay. <laughs> so they became the Episcopalian Church. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of, uh, like, Catholicism, you could say, in that church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growing up in it, you have, um, they have what are called acolytes, which are kind of like junior priests, I guess. They help prepare what's called the Holy Eucharist, which in for us is like the sacrament, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I served as an acolyte. I uh, I helped on Saturdays with my mom and some of the other ladies. We would go in on Saturdays and help set up, you know, all the the things like mm-hmm. flower arrangements and help mm-hmm. clean the church. And you know, I sang in the choir. I um, learned how to play the handbells. Learned piano. The the reverend's wife, she was the organist, mm-hmm. and she that's how I learned how to play the piano. I, oh. She taught me how to play the piano. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't have to pay for piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's great. Yeah, so you were very involved. It was very much a part of your life, um, and a lot of what you did sounds like growing up. So um, I guess where, where did that shift come? And I know you said you eventually got married to your husband, and so maybe was it in the courtship or was it in the um, afterwards? Um, yeah, after I marriage? met my husband. <laughs> we met at a summer camp. Mm-hmm. I worked as a camp counselor and my husband was the camp lifeguard. I was still active in church mm-hmm. and he was a member of the church, but he was not active. Oh, so he's a member of this of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Correct. But and, he didn't go to church. Right. So it's like, okay. Right. I, one of my best friends grew up around the corner from me. Her family was active. They, although they never, you know, the he had, they had eight kids in their family. Mm-hmm. And the youngest girl, she was my best friend growing up. Mm-hmm. And they never really invited me to church because they knew I was active in mine, you mm-hmm. know. But when I would go over there, I would see the little family home evening sign up on the wall who was mm. responsible for prayer and snacks okay. and the lesson and stuff like that. So um, so I kind of 
knew, you know, um, about them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so when my husband and I started dating, you know, he tried to take me to church with him. And, and uh, <laughs> the very first time he took me, it was a fast and testimony meeting, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was very odd for me. Yes. Because we don't have, you know, in the Episcopal Church, the Reverend would just get up and he'd give a sermon. Mm -hmm. They'd read from the four Gospels, you know, and we'd do the whole stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down mm -hmm. <clears throat> kind of a service. And most of the time, you know, one of his daughters was like a year younger than I was. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we would be in the choir loft and... You know, we were playing tic-tac-toe on the programs, you know, because yeah. we were bored, you know. We okay, never yeah. really listened. Anyway, <laughs> a whole different story. <laughs> but. Um, Typical children things, I would say. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, my husband and I would talk about it every now and then. Okay. <clears throat> and that's kind of how I, I got to know more about the church, hmm. although he wasn't active. Yeah. So we decided to get married. Um. Well, we talked about it. And then one day I just got, we dated for like four and a half years. But um, one day I just got tired of waiting. So we were sitting at dinner and I wrote down three dates on a napkin. And I slid it across the table and he looked at me and he said, what are these? And I said, they're wedding dates. Pick one. So he picked the one that was like the furthest away, you know. <laughs> and And so we decided to just pick, you know set it there and so I started making plans but we were to be married at my church because I was active and he was not mm. so he agreed mm -hmm. and then over the course of the time you know things got kind of worse for me at my church mm. with my minister because he was kind of like a second father to me after my father passed away so um The day after I got married, he announced from the pulpit that he should not have married us. Hmm. <clears throat> and my mother was there. You know, we had left for our honeymoon. My mother was there, and she, she got up. She told his wife, "I'm sorry, I can't come anymore." So now I was no longer going to that church. My mom was no longer going to that church. And hmm. after a couple, oh, and then I got pregnant after a couple years. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a couple years. Our son was now two, and I said, you know, so we'd been married about five years. And I decided, you know what, I, there is something missing, you yeah. know, because I had grown up going to church yeah. and, and believing in God and knowing that there's something out there, and it was missing. Yeah. So <clears throat> my husband said, well, there are these young men that, that teach the gospel. I said, yes, I know about missionaries, okay? <laughs> And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were best friends with my bishop's daughter. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> you know, so he's and I said, look, I don't want to go to your church. I don't want to go to my church. Let's just go somewhere where neither one of us have been. And, you know, let's just keep searching from there yeah. and see what's most comfortable for both of us. Yeah. And he said, please just listen to the missionaries hmm. and come to my church. And I looked at him and I said, well, if you feel so strongly about it, why don't you go? Mm -hmm. 
And of course, that's when he realized that he still had a testimony. It was just buried, you know, deep. Mm. Of course, he had been in the Marines and he was smoking and drinking, you know, and okay. all those little things, those little sins that, that tend to rack up over time. So anyway, so I said, fine. So I listened. I, they started coming over and teaching us the discussions and back then it wasn't teaching by the spirit it was like you had the little flip charts and Mm -hmm. you know you would go through like six discussions and of course by the third one I knew it was the right choice to make (laughs) but I just let them keep coming and of course for me I didn't want I I needed to know that my mother was okay with it you know and I wasn't aware that my mother had gone through the similar situation where her parents said, you know, you've reached this age. It's okay for you to make a decision to go somewhere else if you don't want to stay Buddhist. Right. So that's when I learned about this when I went to my mom and I said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this, but I don't want to do it if you don't feel that, you know, I could break away, and my mom said, it's okay, you know, you are your husband's wife, you are his family now, if this is what you feel the right thing to do, do it, and so I was baptized, and the rest is history. (laughs) Oh, that's so neat, and so, I don't know, I mean, because you you said that you and your mom were so close, so that's why that was so important to you yes. to be able to talk to her about it and make sure that she felt um, just okay with it, I guess. I mean, not yeah. that you weren't, like, going behind her back or anything. Obviously, right. like, you were close. You were tight. You yeah. wanted to to um, have the conversation, I guess. But the amazing thing is it wasn't only a conversion story for me, mm-hmm. but it was a conversion for my husband. Yes. Because he, at that point, you know, he had realized, wow, I guess I really do have Mm -hmm. a testimony. And from that moment, excuse me, from that moment on, he stopped drinking, he stopped smoking, you know, he, because I mean, by not being active, he was like the party boy. I mean, (laughs) even while we were dating, you know, and I would always kind of look at him like, really, if you're going to do that, Instead of spending time with me, what are you thinking? (laughs) You're giving up a lot here, dude. (laughs) That's right. Well, and um, I don't know. I think that's so beautiful. And I think you mentioned that you gave up some things, too, like once you made the decision to be baptized, right? Um, Things like coffee and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to give up stuff. I mean, I was working at that point. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I... I drank coffee. Yeah. And I I drank tea cuz it was, you know, part of my upbringing uh-huh. cuz I'm I'm half Hawaiian and I'm half Japanese. My mother drank tea. Yeah. So I drank tea. I mean, when I first started drinking tea, it was like bitter and it was but then you got accustomed to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and then I drank coffee because everybody at work drank coffee. Right. So Right. 
to it's get away so from the, <laughs> to get away from the bitterness, you add the cream, and then they started coming out with flavored cream, and it was like, oh, this is so good, you know. And then yeah. it became like, I can't get through the day without a cup of coffee, you know. Or, right. Uh, and then you're sitting there and you're stressed out. Oh, I just need a cup of tea to calm me down, you know. Right. Or at the end of the day, put up your feet, have a c- cup of tea, you know. And yeah, which I think it's good to mention here that, um, you know. It's not like if people do this, it's inherently bad or, you know, like it's, but I think essentially what our, our doctrine is teaches is that we don't want to become reliant on it in that way. Right. So if you have, I mean, I've drank herbal tea, you know, like, so if you want to go have a cup of herbal tea or something, you know, something that's not going to be addictive in some way. Um, sure. That's fine. But, you know, if you, if it's soothing to you or if it's helpful in some way, but I think when it becomes, when you get into that mindset where you can't be without it, you know, same thing with alcohol, same thing with any addiction. I think that's where it becomes, um, you know, it ties us down. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to get us away from. He's like, no, you don't need these substances that bring you down, that tie you to your physical senses all the time, you know, like he wants to be able to reach our hearts. He wants to, um, to offer us so much more and he's able to get to us better (laughs) if we aren't tied down to whatever it is, right? Right. Whatever addiction it could be. So there's nothing wrong with being addicted to water. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good point. I love it. (laughs) Well, you know, you watch on TV and everybody sits down at the end of their day and has a glass of wine or, yeah. You know, on the on the TV show or whatever, <clears throat> or they sit down to dinner and they order a glass of wine or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I've had a stressful day. I need a glass of wine or even, you know, doctors are saying, you know, it's good to have one glass of wine for to help with, you know, your cardio health or whatever. And it's like, no, your cardio health can depend on walking around the block. <laughs> you know, what what right. are you more willing to do? Walk mm-hmm. around the block? Or yeah. have a glass of wine. Of course, some people will say, have a glass of wine. Right. But then you go into a restaurant and you see this big sign that says, drinking alcohol, you know, will be harmful if you're pregnant or whatever. Right. You know, or causes cancer. It's Absolutely. like, do you even read that sign before you <laughs> walk in the restaurant? You know. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it's... um. Uh, so in our in our scriptures and some of our scriptures from our modern day prophets, we have um, the Lord's law of health essentially, and we call it the word of wisdom. And there are certain substances listed that He's like, just avoid these completely. Like they're not worth it. You don't even need to go there. Um, but He really leaves a lot up to us as far as health goes. He's like, here's some things you should avoid, but here's some, and here's some things to do. You know, even and then He's like, and now go and figure it out. You know, and mm-hmm. pray to me and you know, have me help you along the way. Like, I think it's very personal, just like the gospel is in general. It's very personal. Our relationship with him is personal, um, which is what I love so much about it. And I love that the Lord wants to be one-on-one with us mm-hmm. in that way. So, so that's awesome. I think it's so neat that um, you both at the same time were like, oh, gaining a testimony of the gospel. And I love that you said you just knew, you just knew that it was true. Uh, which I think is this experience for so many people. It was mine, you know, when I gained my testimony, when I finally, you know, prayed about it. And, um, you know, even though I was raised in the church, it was something that I, I knew when I prayed. And I um, I could feel the truth of all these things I'd learned, you know. it was, And again, it was something that I had to pray about and come to 
a knowing for myself and not just rely on everybody else's um, beliefs or their testimonies, you know, something that I, and that we all, you know, come to. I think a lot of people also have a misconception of a testimony because I think people think that you're, you gain a testimony and that's it. But I don't Mm -hmm. think people realize that you're constantly gaining a testimony. Yeah. You know, you gain a testimony about the church and then that's it. People think I have a testimony. Yes, I have a testimony, but you can gain a testimony every single day about something yeah. about prayer, or you can gain a testimony about the priesthood, or you can gain a testimony about the word of wisdom, or you can gain a testimony about families and being forever, you know, mm-hmm. again, gain a testimony about attending the temple. Each time you gain a testimony, it strengthens your overall testimony of the gospel, an overall testimony of, of um, Heavenly Father and, G- and the Savior. Yeah. You know, all the little testimonies eventually grow into that one single testimony of who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's essential. And I and I don't know if everyone grasps that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a convert now for, what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I think it's important for people, especially new converts, to understand that that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of converts <clears throat> don't sometimes don't make it. Because they assume that once they have that testimony, that that's it. That's just going to carry And that's going to carry them through for the mm-hmm. rest of their life. Mm-hmm. But it's important for them that they need to understand that. But Yeah, and, that it's, it's a process, right? It's a journey. It's not just a one and done thing. And I agree completely. And I love that... Um, I guess I would add that your testimony is something that you're continuously strengthening... Um, so maybe you have a testimony of prayer, but can you strengthen that testimony of prayer by praying and by doing those little things that will help you grow into an even stronger testimony of prayer? And I think, so yeah, I think that it's a, it's a process. It definitely is. I agree with you completely. And that we're all meant to continue to grow in the gospel, not just stay where we were when we began, right? Um, that's, that's the Lord's plan for us, really, is to... To really grow, and I um, I love how you mentioned that you joined the church, you became a member of the church, and then you received a calling, which is an, basically an invitation within um, the church that we are asked to participate in some way. Um, so we call them callings, and uh, so you're being called by the Lord to help in this aspect um, of the Lord's kingdom with based on where you live, and your first calling was to be a primary teacher right oh so you taught little children right (laughs) and I just I loved what you wrote that you learned more in that calling than you learned in your whole life growing up oh definitely definitely and I'm a firm believer that you're never called to a position um you're you're never asked to do something that you're good at I mean you may have a 
Okay, let me rephrase that. You may have a knowledge of something, mm -hmm. and, and so the Lord knows that, and so he may ask you to do something. But in the process, he's also asking you to do that because he knows you can learn more from it. Mm -hmm. So for me, being a, a teacher of young children, I had one son. I wanted a gaggle of children. And I could not have more children mm. for health reasons. And so he said, here, take these children. Oh. Teach them. You know, I know you're a good mother, and you want more, but for, you know, reasons unknown, well, he maybe he knew, but <laughs> he's like, here, teach these children, yeah. help these children learn mm -hmm. more. Oh, that's beautiful. And in the process, you learned so much. Exactly. Um, which is so good, and I, I love that reminder that we are meant to grow in our service in the church. Right. And it's not something that we we necessarily receive because we're going to bless someone's lives, which you did. You know, you blessed those children by teaching them. But we also are blessed in in whatever aspect we serve in, especially as we as we put the effort into it. Um, the Lord blesses us with growth and with more knowledge, and um, He wants to see us succeed. He wants to see us become become more like him. So I, I love that. I think that's so neat. And I, and I know you mentioned that your current calling sometimes <laughs> can be hard for you. You want to go into that a little? Yeah. Teaching children is a breeze. <laughs> teaching adults, that's an entirely different, <laughs> entirely different situation because adults are set in their ways. My yeah. goodness. But, um, and that's another thing for me because I'm set in my ways too, especially mm -hmm. now. You know, turning 60 <laughs> is a life-changing experience. And anybody who's reached that point, they'll fully understand what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know. Yeah. When I, now that I'm 60, um, <laughs> I have to learn how to um, <clears throat> turn off my mouth, <laughs> I guess is a good way to say it. <laughs> I am. Um, some things <clears throat> will come out of my mouth. That shouldn't have come out, <laughs> but <clears throat> you're in your comfort zone, and the Lord is trying to tell you, you need to come out of that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so I, I put you in this position because there are others in their comfort zone that need you to help them come out of it. And of course, our motto throughout our whole married life has been teach by example. You know, we show that to our kids. Teach by example. Um, we try to go to the temple as often as we can because we want our son to see that we're going to the temple. And we're hoping eventually, one day, that he will do the same. Mm -hmm. um, but now my, my current calling is in <clears throat> our women's organization, which is called the Relief Society. And so I'm just a counselor. I say just a counselor, but one of, my, one of my functions within the Relief Society as a counselor in the Relief Society presidency has to do with temple work and family history work. So I'm you know, my role is helping people 
attend the temple who are who have the ability to do so mm. and to research their family history so i help the sisters in our board uh, to do that some need help on computers some need help once they've hit that wall you know like you're researching your family history and you you've gone as far as say your second great grandparents mm -hmm. how do you find their parents yeah. you know how do you how do you go beyond that wall that you've hit you know how do you get to the temple if you don't you know if you don't have a car oh, I'll take it. you you know mm -hmm. I hop in my car we'll ride together yeah. you know but I have to leave my comfort zone so how do I leave my comfort zone I hate calling people on the phone just cold turkey you know <laughs> I it's so difficult for me yeah and so for me that's one of the hardest things to do so I'm learning how to do that to just call people and say hey how are you do you have a few minutes can mm -hmm. I come over and see you yeah you know oh that's so neat which, and which then eventually they can do because sometimes they have trouble with that mm-hmm and that's okay right it's okay that we have these these things about us that were like, this is not comfortable for me. This Thank is not goodness. natural. Yeah. Thank goodness for text me for text messages. Texting is great. I love it too. Yeah, but it is. It's hard because um, some people that's very natural and comfortable for them, and for others it's not. And so I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying that the Lord is wanting to just pull us out of those those zones again. We call them these comfort zones, which is just a term we use, right? It's not, it doesn't mean we're actually trapped in there. <laughs> it's not like we really are all zoned into these different, um, even personality traits. I think that the Lord knows that we have so much more within us and he wants to pull us out and get us to do more because we grow when we do, you know, when we, when we do those things that are hard for us. And, um, and I love that you, the way you had told me that you're like, oh, it's just difficult. <laughs> like, it's not something I'm good at. And, and I think other aspects of, of this calling that you have as well, but, but I love the way you put it, like that the Lord is inviting us to change and to, and to grow and to pull us um, out of that, you know, that kind of box, I guess you would say that we can put ourselves in. I have been inherently shy my entire life, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. especially because of my circumstances. By, by losing a parent at such a young age, mm. I have been clinging to the leg of my mother oh. for my entire life. And then yeah. <clears throat> when I met my husband, he's so outgoing and he's so personable and everybody loves him. And, you know, <laughs> I just stand back and let him talk because that's what he does. He yeah. should have been a salesman, for goodness sake, you know? I mean, <clears throat> but he's in construction, okay. you know? <clears throat> and, which is odd, because I I was student body president in my high school, you know? Um, and I was, he likes to call it being a mucky muck, you know, a department head of a government. And <clears throat> you can't get there being mousy, you know, yeah. you get there being mouthy <laughs> instead, <laughs> you know, you have to open your mouth. You have to tell people what needs to be done. You have to tell people that, you know, you have to be out in front 
-hmm. which again makes you leave your comfort zone mm -hmm. and he knows the lord knows and he knows your potential he knows you can do these things so in a sense he does kind of push you in the right direction mm -hmm. and he does leave it up to you I mean, he's not going to do everything for you. Yeah, he honors our agency. You you're, you, don't do it for your children, you know. Growing up without that, I'm not, let me rephrase that. I'm not knocking single parenthood. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that for me, growing yeah. up without my father made me cling to my mother. And it caused me to be very shy very, um, I'm going to use the term insecure, but that's really, that's probably not the right word to use. Okay. But I, I didn't want to step out from behind her. Yeah. And just go. Mm. And so <clears throat> it wasn't until I got to high school when I really started to come, <clears throat> come out of my shell. Okay. Mainly because... My brother was so overbearing that I just had to stand up for myself, hmm. you know, because when my father died, he was he was already a teenager. Oh. And um, everybody kept telling him, you're the man of the house, you're the man of the house, you're the man of the house. So he took it to heart. Hmm. He was opening up my report cards. You know, he was telling me. And back then we didn't have remote controls. I was the remote control, you know. Lonnie, turn the, change the channel. Lonnie, change the channel. And back then it was dial channels, you know. You know, what going from channel two to channel thirteen, you know, in the blink of an eye. So I did everything my brother said. And then one day I just decided I wasn't gonna do it anymore and I rebelled. So I came out of that shell. But then what happens? I meet my husband and right back into that shell again mm. because he was so personable. Yeah. I didn't need to be personable. I didn't need to compete with him. So I mm. stepped behind him again. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe I'm getting too in-depth about my personality. But, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, so cold calling, you know, stepping out into the world in front of everybody and yeah. just, you know... Being this shining star, I really didn't need all of that. Right. Yeah. And yet I think that the more you do it, I would say, <laughs> in general, we get a little bit more comfortable with it the next time. It's not as difficult as it was the very first time we did it. And I agree with you. I think that absolutely there are um, there's things that uh, happen to us as a child, as we're growing up. I mean, you're... Even your poor brother, like that was probably hard for him to lose his father at such a, at that age. At a crucial and then to point. Be, yes. And then to be, <clears throat> you know, tossed into this. Now you're the man. And I mean, could you imagine the responsibility he probably felt? And yeah, he took it out in some, you know, maybe not so great ways, but I don't know. But he was struggling too. you know, like I think that we all do in our own ways as we're trying to grow because we none of us have perfect parents and. So it's hard. It's, it can be a challenge. And, and there there's absolutely things that um, that can kind of pull us one way or the other as far as who we become um, from our childhood. But then the Lord takes it from there, right? He's like, okay, now I've got you, <laughs> you know? And he's like, and let me show you what you can do now. And Take my hand yeah. and I will help you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so, so good. Um, so 
you you said to me, and we're maybe we'll kind of wrap it up here if there's anything else you want to add. But you said that one good thing about all of this, you you know, things are hard. There's things that um, have been better, things that have been more challenging. But that um, the one thing about all of this and about your life is that is your relationship with the Savior. And do you want to speak more to that? No. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm kind of a jokester. Um, My life, my life with the Savior, I would not be where I am today without him. I know that much. I am not a perfect person. And he knows that. The Savior knows that. And because I'm not perfect, I think prayer is probably the best way for me to communicate with the Savior to help me get through all those imperfections. Mm. I had mentioned my diet, which is very important because I am diabetic. Mm. And I falter a lot in that. (laughs) Sometimes, especially in the car, I have potty mouth. Okay. (laughs) Which is probably the best place to have it because nobody can hear you. Except for the angels that are taking silent notes. <laughs> so you have to really <laughs> repent for that every Sunday. and um, Or every day, right? Like, you know, every day part of your... At the end, at, especially <laughs> at the end of the day when you're repenting for all the things that you've done wrong. Mm. You know, and at the beginning of the day when you say, please, please, you know, allow me, allow me the opportunity to not do those things again mm. that I did yesterday because... I'm hoping that today will be a good day, mm-hmm. you know. Or when I forget that in my in my potty mouth, <laughs> I murmur, I I open my mouth and I start, you know, complaining about one thing or another. When I really have no room to complain, mm-hmm. you know, because I do have it better than a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, you're driving down the street and you're saying, oh. My dumb car, that that stupid light doesn't work on my car. But hey, I have a car. <laughs> you know, yeah. my car is running. It doesn't have flat tires. You know, yeah. the windows do roll up. That kind of thing, you know. Be yeah. grateful for the things that you do have because somebody else does have it worse. Yeah. Stop murmuring, Lonnie, you know. <laughs> Stop cursing the people that drive because they made a mistake in front of you Mm. you know so they cut you off maybe they didn't see you Mm -hmm. you do that sometimes you know forget that you made a mistake stop being so judgmental oh my gosh that woman is wearing that in the grocery store what are you complaining about (laughs) you know maybe that's the only clothes she has You know, it's it's little things like that that you really have to pray for because we don't we really don't make big mistakes. We make little mistakes. Yeah. We make little sins, but those sometimes are worse than the big ones. Mm. You know, yeah. and those are the ones that that the Savior is trying to help us get over because aren't those the ones that are really going to make a difference in the end? Because the people that make the really big sins, I think they're, they are the ones that do need the Savior, and they know it, and they and they will eventually come around. Mm-hmm. But it 
for us that know the difference, we can't seem to stop it. <laughs> do you do you understand what yes, I'm going? Yes, I do, and I think that it's um it's good to remember that we can we we are judgmental of others, and um and we might complain, and then we judge ourselves because we do that, right? And so, I think that the Lord is just he just he's so good at just inviting us, right, and saying, okay, you've come this far, you're doing a lot of the things I've asked you to do, right? You're doing your best to, um, you know, go to church and to partake of the sacrament and to, and pay your tithing and go to the temple, like these little things that, and so he's, he's invited us and we've decided to join him along the way, um, as far as we've gone. And then he's like, okay, now there's more, there's more I'm going to keep inviting you to do. And it's okay that we keep messing up because that's what the atonement's for. But, um, but he just keeps inviting us. He's like, it's it's even better. It gets even better, right? Like, and and I think that's what's so um, so neat that the Savior is so patient with us, right? He's so understanding, and I love the phrase. I don't remember. I don't know who to credit it to, but that um, God loves us just as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. Um, something along those lines, and I I love that. I I absolutely agree with it. I think that He does love us. It's not like He's criticizing us in any, you know, he doesn't condemn us, but he does want us to grow even more because he knows how much it will bless us if we do. Um, He's not going to drag us by the arm. You know, I love this story about, I can't, I can't remember who it was that told it. It was, I think it was in a conference where Hmm. someone said that the, their mother had missed her flight she was out of diapers, and their kid was hungry. Their ch- their daughter was th- her daughter was hungry, and was crying. And someone came over, and just you know everyone in the airport was just like looking at her, and was just mm-hmm. casting all kinds of like demeaning glances at her. Yeah, and I think they're all in a line or something, all standing in a line. Yeah, and and. And he just, he was so compassionate towards her. I think it was like a one of the 12 apostles, I cannot remember. Mm-hmm. And, and that young baby was actually the woman that was speaking. And she was like, she was like a, hmm. one, I can't remember now. I mean, it's. It's like right there, but I, you know. I don't remember either. It's okay. See what happens when you turn 60? Everything just goes wonky and out of, you know, in out of your head. But, yeah, I, I think I'm remembering the story, but I also Vaguely. don't remember who it is. But, yeah, he was um, he was so compassionate and loving to that poor mom. I think mom. it was L. Tom Perry. Maybe, yeah. But she, you know, and just yeah. just understanding where she's coming from, instead of judging her, he was like, oh, how can I Very help? compassionate, I yeah. mean, I want to say he held the baby or something. I don't know, he's trying, right. to, trying to just help her because she's in this hard situation. And yes, I love that, yeah. Um, very Christ-like, you know, way a, to A very Christ-like behave. quality. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what the Savior wants us to do, Yeah, is to take that step forward and do that. And... We try. It's it's that whole step forward of stepping out, stepping out of that circle that we keep ourselves in. We need to step out of that circle, and that's what the Savior's trying to get us to do. Yeah. 
it's a small circle. It's not, there's no barrier. There's nothing, you know, there's no fence <laughs> that that circle that, in, you know, encompasses you. Right. We, we build the fence. Hmm. You know, yeah. the Savior doesn't. Right. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. And I, I wanted to just touch back on when we mentioned repentance earlier, we we're talking about that. Um, and I love this quote uh, from President Nelson, uh, where he says that nothing is more liberating, more ennobling, or more crucial to our individual progression than is a regular daily focus on repentance. And then he says that whether you're diligently moving along the covenant path, or if you've slipped away from the covenant path, and that's a term we use for, you know, kind of following the Savior, the way that we do in our church. And then he says, or can't even see the path from where you are now, I plead with you to repent. Experience the strengthening power of daily repentance, of doing and being a little better each day. So again, I think that's just, like, that's the Savior just inviting us to just make those incremental small changes. That's what repentance is. It's not something that's, um, again, it's not condemning. It's just inviting because he knows that we are strengthened in that way. And President Oaks talks about that when the Savior forgives, he does more than just cleanse us from sin. He gives us new strength, which I love. I think that's such a beautiful reminder. It's not just about cleansing us from sin. It's about strengthening us in something new. See, now I get to go home and say a prayer asking for forgiveness because I woke up late. That's why I had to text you and say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm running late, you know, maybe <laughs> uh -huh. about five minutes because I slept, oh, I overslept mm -hmm. and I had to jump out of bed yeah. instead of just roll out of bed directly onto my knees and say my mm. morning prayer. So, you know, the rest of my day is going to go really bad because I didn't do that. So now I have <laughs> no, to go home and repent no, because well, I you, jumped out of bed instead of rolled out onto my knees. Or you just get to go and now say your prayer. You didn't like get, get time to do, and that's okay, too. He gets it. He gets it. That's kind of life for us. Anyway, um, Lonnie, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing what you have with us. I know it's not easy. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but you... You rocked it. You were awesome. And I, I just appreciate who you are, what you do for your ward, for for the people that we um, are surrounded by each day. You know, it's a it's a crazy life, but um, but we're here to um, to be strengthened by our Savior. And we can be as we as we keep drawing closer to him. Um, and it just makes life better. <laughs> You're welcome. He makes life better. You're welcome. But, I'm sure I digressed a few times. I'm normally a jokester, and I tried not to joke much in this interview. But <laughs> <laughs> Joking is wonderful. It's a good thing. We all need to laugh. So, But thank you again. And, You're welcome. Uh, and we will see you around. Have fun. <laughs> yes. I want to thank our guest again for being here today. I pray that as you listened, the Spirit whispered to you the specific actions you can take as you move forward in your daily life. I know Christ is there and that following those promptings will bring you closer to Him and to lasting and elevated change. May God be with you in your journey. To find out more, visit us at lsistudios.com and to learn more about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, visit comeuntochrist.org or reach out to us.